Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter number four, and he loves the word of the Lord. Man, it's a good time to dive into it, get you one of those charts, and begin reading through your Bible. Be a good thing, be a blessing <coughs> to your life, and uh, definitely give strength to your spiritual man. We're pretty good at taking care of our physical needs and demands, but sometimes we need to pay more attention to our spiritual man, and this is one of the ways we do that, through prayer and reading the Word of God, and it's rudimentary, but it's very necessary, and uh, so let's get involved. I'm thankful for all of those that read their Bible through in 2015, and we're going to reward them by taking them out to eat, and we're thankful for each one of you that do that, and we just want more. I want more young people to do it. And I realize that young folks have busy lives and a lot of things going on, and you're doing a lot of reading, I hope, and in school and different things, making good grades. But, you know, you could tack on a few extra chapters from the Bible, and it'll balance your life and help you. And I promise you, uh, you need something to compensate against all of the uh, the things of this world that bombard you on a daily basis. The Bible says, don't let any man spoil you, Colossians chapter 2, through vain philosophies and deceit after the things of this world and not after Christ. So the way that we do that is by getting the word of the Lord in our heart. And that's why Bible study is important. And coming together as a church and hearing from the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, aren't you thankful for the treasure, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want you to notice something here up in verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then it talks about, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's talking about something precious and glorious and awesome and powerful being placed in something that is pretty basic. It's talking about the glory of God being placed in earthen vessels, that the Lord would place His glory, His power, His Spirit in us that are just earthen vessels 
fragile in some ways. And uh, so I'm going to preach about that tonight, and it may not make sense at this particular moment, my subject title, but it will if you'll just hold on. And I want to talk about the privilege and the perils of a servant. The privilege and the perils of a servant. Let's lift up our voices once again to the Lord and pray for his help tonight. We want his help. We certainly need the strength and the touch of God in this service this evening. Would you pray with me, Lord? I'm asking you to help us. I'm praying, God, for your touch and your strength and your anointing. The remainder of this service tonight, bless somebody. Strengthen them through your word. Help them and encourage them through the word of God tonight. Bless each and every person that's gathered here in this house. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The great apostle Paul was not one to mince words. And he outlines for us both the blessing and the curse. He gives us the bitter and the sweet in this particular text. In these verses of Scripture, you will read about the beauty and the beast, so to speak. For it's here that he gives us the power and the perils of being a servant for Jesus' sake, he says. As a servant of Jesus Christ, we'll be exposed, and we have been exposed. Those of us that have lived for the Lord uh, for a period of time, have a tenure, uh, as it were, living for God, we've been exposed to a great deal of light. And I'm thankful for what the Bible calls this marvelous light. Aren't you thankful that the lights came on in your life? Aren't you thankful for what the light has revealed to you? Aren't you thankful for the truth this evening? For God will make the light to shine out of darkness into your heart, he says in this text. So I'm so thankful that the light shined upon us and uh, it give us uh, this guide to the truth and strength that we have here tonight. So as a servant, you're going to be given a great deal of light implying that you're going to see things, be exposed to things, shown things as a servant of the Lord. You're going to know things that perhaps others do not know. You're going to have revelation that perhaps others do not have. And all of this happens by virtue of your servitude towards the Lord. The master will speak things to a servant that he may not share with other folks. He will reveal things to a servant that he will not reveal to others. He will be imparting things to you that he will not be giving to other people. Paul declares here that the servant is going to be given knowledge. They are going to know things that others perhaps are confused about. Servants will not be surprised or shocked while others may be taken off guard or taken aback. Servants know things. Uh, they, they understand things that is hidden uh, to others or from other people. They are privy to information that others are unaware of uh, because the Apostle Paul said that servants get light and they get knowledge. Servitude is a very honorable position because 
you know things about the master through serving him that you could learn no other way. Many times when a wealthy position, uh, positioned person or a person that is maybe royalty or important, when they have been accused or there's some sort of accusation that is against them and they have to go stand in a court of law, it is their servants that are often subpoenaed to come in, summons to come into the court and testify because it's understood that servants know more about their master than anybody else knows about the master. Uh, they see them on a daily basis. They see them outside of the public arena. They see them in private because servants know things about their master's character that nobody else knows. Servants knows things about their habits and their nature and their personality that maybe has been camouflaged when they're before the public. Uh, no one else may know it. No one else may be aware of it. But a lot of times in these type of scenarios, it's the limo driver that's, that's brought in because he knows the places that the master frequents. It's the maids that clean the house that's brought in because they know what goes on in the private life behind closed doors. It is the security detail that is often summons because they are with them every waking moment. And what a person is is usually going to be revealed in those type of situations. These servants know them like no one else knows them. And many people don't even know uh, maybe the, the servant's name. They're not even aware of their identity. They're they don't know anything about that particular person. But these are the people that know the master best. They may not have uh, a name tag that identifies them. They may not have a position or, or anyone that is able to recognize their name. But as a servant, they know the master best. They have light and they have knowledge about the master for an example, there are men and women that serve in high-ranking positions in the military, for instance, or maybe in the Central Intelligence Agency, or maybe the FBI. And they know, as uh, because of the, the job that they have and the career that they have, they know particular secrets about our nation's security. And these are secrets that if they fell into the wrong hands could be very detrimental to us as a nation. There are certain things that they know that they can't even share with their family. They can't share with the closest people around them because these are very important things. And our nation's security depends upon them holding them and not telling anyone lest they fall into the wrong hands. So these men are constantly monitored, many times under surveillance, because national security is something that is very powerful, something that's very important, something that is a treasure uh, to know. And the only thing that is ironic about this is that it's placed and it's trusted in men, in men that are fallible, in men uh, that can make mistakes in men given the right circumstances may 
slip up and say something that they're not supposed to or tell something that they're not supposed to. Paul said servants have light and servants have knowledge. But the apostle Paul said that through their servanthood and through this this service to the master, they're going to understand and they're going to know things. But the only thing is, is that that treasure that is given to them, that light and that knowledge that is shared with them, the only scary part is, is that it is locked up in earthen vessel. There is light and there is knowledge. There's all of this revelation. There's all of this important uh, blessing and anointing and insight and access that is given and is all there and contained in a very weak vessel, an earthen vessel, which puts the servant in a very precarious place. And, and I'm saying all this for a reason. I'm going to tell us how to protect this treasure here tonight. Because if that person who is a man and a woman, flesh and blood, that person that maybe knows security, uh, national security secrets and details that are very important to our government, that very powerful information is placed in their trust. And the thing that is fearful is if they were to get in a certain stressful situation, uh, maybe financial stress, or maybe they are abducted by an enemy. Maybe they are uh, a prisoner of war. And under the duress of that particular situation, they are still just an earthen vessel. They are still uh, weak and prone to, to be uh, put under a stressful situation that would cause them to give away that which has been placed in them. And Paul said that that is the peril of being a servant. You have all of this knowledge. You have all of this understanding. You have all of this revelation. You have all of this insight. You have all of these truths. You have all of this understanding. You have all of this access. And it's contained in an earthen vessel, a vessel that is frail, a a vessel that is fragile, a, a, a a, a vessel that is breakable. And those of you that are here tonight have something that many others may not have. That is that you have insight, scriptural insight. You have truths that have been revealed to you. Aren't you thankful for the revelation of who Jesus Christ really is? Aren't you thankful for the revelation of the new birth experience? Aren't you thankful for the scriptural revelation of what it takes to be saved? Aren't you thankful that you understand these things and you have knowledge about the Master as you've walked with Him and you've served Him and you've You've lived a life that was pleasing unto him, and you've lived for him day by day. You come to know things about the master. Amen. Others may have a higher position, but they don't know what you know. They may drive a nicer car, but they don't know what you know. They may live in a nicer neighborhood, but they don't know what you know. They may have a bigger home, but they don't know what you know. I'm just saying this as an illustration to tell you that we have a treasure. We have the truth, and I'm thankful for the truth that has been placed in this vessel that the Scripture describes as an earthen vessel. You have light, 
and you have knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the servants know things. And this is proven to us over and over again through the Scripture. Matter of fact, you see in the very first miracle of Jesus Christ, the Scripture tells us, very first miracle in his ministry, as he is invited to a, a wedding at Cana. And he is there, and servants are busy trying to cover for the master of the feast by by gathering wine from some source and they realize that they've run out of out of wine and somebody gets news to Mary, Jesus' mother, about this and she, having a revelation of who he was, came to him and said, they have no wine. And he tells her, what, what do I have to do with this? And she said to the servant, she just wheeled around without saying anything else to him. She just turned to the servant and said, whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, this is what you need to do. She had a revelation of who Jesus was, that he was more than just a mortal man, but he was God manifest in the flesh. And he had the power to make water blush and turn into wine. He had the power to change the scenario and the situation that was at hand. He had the power to take the embarrassment away from the master of the feast. At his spoken word, he told those servants, he said, you go draw water and you fill the vessels completely. All of these containers that you have, you fill them to the brim. And the Bible tells us that they did exactly that. They filled them completely to the top. And they began to serve it. And as they began to serve it, it was turned to wine. And the people that were at the feast made the comment, why is it that the master of the feast would serve his best wine at the last? It's typical, it's customary to serve uh, the best at the first. And when people have well drunk and their taste buds are or uh, the appetite is has been satisfied and uh, they're drunken and inebriated, then serve the, the less expensive stuff. But he has served the best at the last. And the Bible says that there was those at that wedding feast that had no idea what really had happened. The groom didn't know. The guest didn't know. The bride didn't know. Many of the people that were gathered there had no idea. There was only a small group of people that had any idea what had taken place. The Bible says, and it's very clearly stated in a verse, it says, but the servants which drew the water knew. Because they were servants, they knew things. They understood things. They had light they had knowledge. They had understanding. Things was revealed to them. Then the verse reveals the reason. The very next verse that I read to you in our text reveals the reason for all of this. It says that the excellency of the power of God or the excellency of His power may be of God and not of us. In other words... In other words, we need to understand that the reason why he places this treasure in us and why we have this treasure in earthen vessel is because he wants us to rely upon him. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to lean upon him to protect this treasure. 
He wants us to closely be associated with him. And it's through the influence and the protection of the master that the treasure is safe, that the treasure is taken care of. He placed it in a weak vessel so that we would take and lean upon him and trust in him so that the vessel would be kept. Praise God. You've got to get this tonight. It's only through our dependence upon him. It's only through our trust in him that the power of God is sustained in our life. If we ever get to relying on the flesh, if we ever get to depending on the flesh, if we ever get to thinking that we're something and we can do it on our own, we're just frail, weak vessels. But we have something powerful that's been placed on the inside of us. And if we'll trust in God, we'll place our faith in God, he'll keep us. I said he'll keep us and we'll be able to continue with this treasure. We'll have this treasure down on the inside. We'll be able to hold on to it. Can you say praise the Lord? The only way that the servant could keep this light and the only way that the servant could keep this knowledge contained is to stay close to the master. That the excellency of the power of the Lord may be of God and not of men. It's him that's going to get the glory. In other words, it's him that we've got to rely upon. We will lose this gift that's been given to us if we don't rely upon him and trust in him. He would always have to lean upon the master as a servant. He would always have to lean upon the superiority of the master as a servant. You see, just because you have more light and more knowledge doesn't make you anything. It doesn't make you more special than anyone else. The only way you can keep it is to remain a servant that is dependent upon his master. Looking and walking and taking your cues from him. Praise the Lord. It just means that you are more dependent upon the master, the one that gave it to you, the one that shared it with you, the one that revealed it to you. The Bible says it this way, to whom much is given, much is required. The more he gives me, the more I depend upon him. The more he blesses me, the more I rely upon him. The greater the blessing, the greater that I need God in my life to keep me and to help me and to help me to continue to be faithful, to help me to continue to walk with him. The more the more that God gives me, the greater my prayer life needs to be. The more that God has given to me and blessed me with, the more I need to be faithful to him and give myself to the Lord. You understand the principle that is being implied here because it's very easy for us to take the blessing, to take the treasure and get to thinking that it's about us and it's because of us or something that we did that got us to this point. But we must remember that it's him that gave us this blessing. It's him that poured this out upon us. It's him that has given it to us. And if I want this to continue to flow into my life, and if I want the Lord to keep me strong, I'm going to have to rely upon him and trust in him. Can you say praise the Lord? Why don't we clap our hands to him right now? So the more that you're given, the more that you lean upon him. The more that you have, the more that you need him. 
The more that is bestowed upon you, the more you must stay close to the master. The servant, you see, was to be content with knowing. To be content with having understanding and light, yet also himself being unknown. We call it hiding behind the shadow of the cross or giving glory where glory is due. Let all the glory and let all the praise be given to the Lord. The servant had to be content with knowing and having understanding, yet himself being unknown. Because if you're ever, if you ever become known, it's apt that you would spill the contents or the blessing that has been placed on the inside of your vessel. Because, again, we're just earthen vessels. We're just human beings. We're just people. We're susceptible to pride. We're susceptible to hurt feelings. We're susceptible to a whole lot of things that would cause the contents, the treasure that has been placed within us to escape. You must always stay humble. The servant must always hide behind the cross. He must always abide in the shadows. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It's through being humble. And we taught a little lesson last night to the leadership about about humility and leadership. It doesn't mean that somebody's weak. It doesn't mean that somebody... And it doesn't have a backbone. It doesn't mean that they don't believe anything or don't stand for their convictions. Matter of fact, most all of the people that the Bible uh, refers to their humility, there was instances where they stood strong. You take uh, John the Baptist, who we often refer to. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. But yet he was one that stood up for the truth and laid the axe to the root of the tree. You, you talk about, Moses, the meekest man, the scripture tells us, on the face of the earth. And the Bible indicates to us that he was able to stand up for the truth. And he even drew a line in the sand at one occasion and said, who's on the Lord's side? Come on this this side. And uh, he stood against Pharaoh. And he, he stood up for what was right. And he stood before God even on one occasion and said, if you blot their name out, blot my name out. So this was a man that was willing to stand strong when it was time uh, to stand strong. But it was a man that relied upon God, was a servant of God, and realized that my strength comes through relying upon him. Your self-will, your fleshly desires, your own agendas, your wants, your all of those things have got to, got to take second place they've got to they've got to be relinquished and you've got to humble yourself before the Lord John the Baptist knew about this he said I must decrease I must decrease so that he can increase in my life and the more he increases the more I decrease that's what it is being a servant of God the more treasure that I have the more knowledge of him that I have the more anointing of him that I have I've got to slip into the shadows so that he gets the glory so that he gets the praise so that he gets all of that that needs to be directed towards him we're talking about servant servanthood here tonight 
And so we have a clear picture of this in the Word of God in 2 Kings chapter number 4. And I just want to begin by reading a few verses here, starting with verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shudam, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by and turned him hither to eat bread, that she said unto her husband, Behold, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a table, or a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shudamite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And we understand that through this story, this lady noticed this prophet. She perceived something that maybe others didn't perceive that he was a holy man of God. She was barren. She wanted a child. And, and uh, so she said, we're going to get this man of God to come here and stay in our house, and it's going to be a blessing to us, but we're going to have to make some room for him. So they built onto their house in addition, and she said, I'm going to furnish this room so that he will want to come, and he will want to be here. And there was a bed, singular, a table, a stool, a candlestick. And after he acknowledged this and had rested there and spent some time there, he said to his servant, I don't know where his servant was sleeping. I don't know where his servant was eating his meals. I don't know what he was setting on when he, when he ate his meals. There was just a table, a stool, a candlestick, a bed. I don't know what light he was reading by. But he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all of this care. This lady has been careful to give us everything that we need. What is it that we could do to help her? What is it that we could do to give back to her? He asked his servant this. And he said, What is it that we could do to give a little bit back to this lady that's been so kind and compassionate? And I can see Gehazi in my own mind's eye looking at Elisha and saying, what do you mean us? There's only one bed that I see, and there's only one stool to sit on. There's only one candle, and there's only one table. There isn't anything that includes us. It's all about you, prophet. I'm just a servant. What do you mean uh, that we, we need to give back to her? I have, it's a one-man show around here, and I'm sure that Gehazi, the servant, felt invisible. And it goes on in verse 14. He said, what shall we do for her? And the servant asked. And he said, you know, if it was up to me, now this is between the lines, if, if it was up to me, I don't think we should do anything because she hadn't done anything for me. But she has been good to you. And I suppose that she doesn't have a son. She's been married for a period of time, and, and they've never had a baby. She's barren. And so I, I'm sure that that is the desire of a heart. And, and he said, well, 
in, in such amount of time as the time of life, you're going to have a child. And, and uh, so the time rocks on, and she is expecting, and after the period of time, she carries the baby. She does. She has a little boy that is born. And that boy begins to grow, and it comes time for him to go out into the field and to work with the men. And he goes out into the field. This is a miracle son that she has, so I'm glad. I'm sure that she was glad that uh, this blessing had been given to her and very protective of this child, being it was her only child and something that God had given to her. And he is sent to the field to work, and he suddenly grabs his head one day and said, My head, my head. And the father said, carry him to his mother. And they brought him to his mother, and he died. And she went and placed him in the room that she had prepared for the prophet. And, and uh, the scripture says that Elisha, when he heard the news, he said, you take my staff, and you go place it on the boy. And he said, uh, uh, this be your opportunity to go do something for God. And so Gehazi, I'm sure very proud, thankful that now he's been included in the ministry. He's going to get to do something powerful. He goes and places the rod upon the child, and nothing happens. Nothing takes place. And I'm sure at this point he's very discouraged about it. But you understand a servant's duty is not to question. A servant's duty is to be obedient. He's not responsible for results. God's the one that brings the results. All God was looking for is Gehazi, are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to do what you're told to do? Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to do what I direct you and instruct you to do? And I'm going to tell you, that's the way it is with us. Sometimes we do things and we're obedient to the Word of God. We, we give ourselves and submit ourselves to do the work of the Lord and we don't see immediate results from it. And we sometimes wonder, well, why did I do that? Why did I pray that much? And why did I fast that much? And why did I sacrifice that much? And why do I do all I do and don't see the results immediately that I would like to see? But maybe God is trying to see if you're really a servant and are willing to do things uh, even though the, the results may not be immediately forthcoming you're not responsible for the results hey I've taught a lot of Bible studies and, and seen people that, that you know they never did really commit themselves to living for God but that's not that's not my department results is not my department what my department is is doing the work of God and the Bible said if I'll sow enough then I can reap amen those that sow bountifully reap bountifully. Those that sow sparingly reap sparingly. I'm going to tell you, you do it long enough, God's going to bring the results. You work for God. You pray. You seek the face of the Lord. You're faithful. You're going to begin to see the results. Just because you didn't do it one, it didn't happen one time when you did it, it doesn't mean that God didn't see that or he, he wasn't aware of that. If you'll just be a servant, Gehazi, God's just checking if you're a servant, a true servant of God. so discouraged, despondent, didn't work. And then the prophet comes when the boy's in the room and prays for him, closes the door and stretches himself forth on that boy. And the Bible said he came to life. 
And I'm sure Gehazi was thankful for this boy's life being spared or brought back. But there had to be a little bit of why is it that I do all the work and he gets all the glory? Why is it that I have an opportunity to go out and do what he says to do and I look like a fool and he shows up and look at this. The miracle happens and it takes place. Well, uh, he's just checking to see if you're a true servant and you're willing. Sometimes you plead with God, you, you work for God, you do things for God, and again, you don't see everything you would like to see, but he just wants to know, are you obedient? Are you willing to follow through? Are you willing to do what you're supposed to do? And it's only through staying close to the master. Remember Gehazi. You don't ever want to separate yourself from the master. It's only through staying close to the master that you can keep this treasure in earthen vessel. It's only through staying close. I'm sure he saw all the imperfections of Elisha. I'm sure he saw all the things that he didn't approve of in Elisha. I'm sure when he looked at Elisha he didn't see what everybody else saw. He didn't see what the Shunammite woman saw or her husband. They saw a mighty man of God that passed through there every once in a while and he saw everything that he didn't like he saw all the ways that that uh, he saw that he squeezed the toothbrush or the toothpaste bottle in the middle and he saw where that he left his dirty socks out on the floor and he saw all the imperfections of Elisha but he's still the master and you've got to stay close to him you've got to stay close to him because you have a treasure in earthen vessel later in the story Elisha is ask or Elisha asked Gehazi to cook a dinner for the sons of the prophet and to serve his contemporaries. Now, I'm sure that this wasn't top of the list for Gehazi to do. Bring all the sons of the prophets that are your contemporaries, and I want you to put an apron on, and I want you to cook them a meal, and I want you to serve them. I'm sure that wasn't something that he really wanted to do. This was a giant test for Gehazi. But as reluctant as he may have been, he went ahead and cooked a stew, got it all together, and he begins to serve it. And one of the guys grabs his throat and starts gasping for air, and and, and they fall over, and there's death in the pot, the Scripture says. There is, there's something in there. There's some kind of ingredient that inadvertently was placed in there, some kind of root or herb or something that was deadly that he didn't realize, and it was placed in there. And everybody is looking at the cook now, Gehazi, like what in the world? Don't you know what you're doing? Why did you serve this to us? And through a few instructions, the Bible says that Elisha came and had some things placed in the pot of stew, And the problem was solved. And it's the master that had the ingredients to make the difference and take away the curse of death that was there. And Gehazi again feels like, hey, why is it that that I'm trying to do what you tell me to do and it don't turn out right? I'm trying to do what I was asked to do and it don't go like I planned it. And it looks looks like I'm I'm the joke again. It looks like 
I am going to look foolish again. You come along, throw something in there, and everybody can eat it just fine, and they're not poisoned, and, and everything turns out good. And all of this, you understand, is working on him. All of this is, is being, being thought about, pondered upon. And, and it isn't long after that that they're back at the house and a knock comes to the door. And there's a man by the name of Naaman who is a, a Syrian, a captain of the Syrian host. And he has come down with leprosy and his little servant girl has told his wife about Elisha the prophet and how that he is a man that is anointed and has great power with God. And, and so he, he, he comes up and, and asks, what, what can I do to see Elisha? And Elisha, he sends Gehazi to the door. He doesn't even go himself. And says, well, I don't think he took a lot of time to think about it because I, I think that his words were anointed. I don't think that he sat back and contemplated what he wanted him to do. He just spoke it, and he said, go tell him to dip in the Jordan seven times. And I could see old Gehazi. I said, why am I going to always deliver these messages like this? I mean, I'm between the prophet, I'm between the master, and, I, and, and, and the man out here that's not wanting to receive such a message as this, and I kind of know how Gehazi must have felt sometimes because I've been in that hard spot myself. You just got to do what the master tells you to do. And so you, you go and you deliver the message, and it's not a message that you want to tell them. And so he tells Naaman what it is that the He said that you need, to go, you need to go dip in the Jordan seven times, knowing that the Jordan is the most filthy river in that part of the land. And Naaman looked like he had just drunk a quart of root beer, and he's got all the foam coming out of his mouth and his neck, the veins burst out like, like threefold cords on the side of his neck. And he is, he's white around the gills, as we like to say. And he is mad. He is angry. He's in a rage. He's in a stomping fit. He's, he's, he's just so angry that, that he would ask him to do. A man that is the captain, a man that's used to getting preferential treatment, he would ask him to go dip in the Jordan seven times. And Gehazi wants to say, look, sir, it's not me. It's him back there. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. He says to go dunk in the Jordan seven times. And the scripture says that he went and he finally, through the coercion of his servants, went ahead and dipped in the Jordan seven times. And when he did, he was cleansed like a baby skin. And the leprosy was gone. And so he goes away rejoicing. The scripture tells us that he came back to where Elisha was and he told the servant, he said, go tell him I want to give him some things. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. This is a great miracle. This is a wonderful thing that has happened for me. Here, let's, I want to give you some things. And Elisha said, you go back and tell him we don't want anything. You go back and tell him that we don't want any of his gold or his silver. We don't want any of that. You tell him to keep it. Elisha said, no, we don't want it. And Gehazi said, I know why you don't want it, because you don't do anything. I mean, if I was you, I'd feel bad about taking things from people too, because you don't do anything. You let me do everything. He said, I, I wouldn't probably feel right, but since I've been doing everything, I wouldn't mind having a few things. If you know, you go tell him that we don't want it. And the scripture says that Gehazi, unbeknownst to Elisha at the time, followed after 
Naaman. And the scripture says that when he chased him down, he asked him, he asked him for those gifts to be given to him. And, and he took those gifts and received those gifts. And when he came back trying to hide it from the master, Elisha asked him, where have you been? He said, I haven't been anywhere. You notice that when he separated himself as a servant from the master, that's when his vessel became weak. And everything that had been poured into him and everything that had been given to him was lost. And he said, no. He said, my spirit went with you. He said, and when you went, I knew and I understood. And he said, I know what happened. And the leprosy that was upon Naaman is going to come to you. And you're going to contract that leprosy. But all of this would have been avoided had he never left the company of the master. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. But the reason that we have is that the excellency of the power of God may be of him and not of us. That we can show his glory and we can still be in the shadows. And that's a very difficult thing for us to do sometimes. But if we're going to keep the treasure, that's how we're going to be able to keep it. If we're going to keep the glory of God, that's how we're going to be able to keep it. If we're going to keep the glory of God, we're going to have to continue to be faithful to him. If we're going to keep the glory of God, we're going to have to continue in prayer. If we're going to keep the glory of God, we're going to have to continue to humble ourselves before him and say, God, it's not about me and my wants and anything I desire. It's about you and you getting the glory and you getting the praise and you getting the thanksgiving. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. God has given all of us precious truths and precious things. Go ahead and stand with me. Lift your hands to the Lord and thank God for this glorious, glorious treasure that's been given to you. What a privilege. What a privilege to be a servant of God. What a blessing to be a part of the kingdom of God to be connected with the master, to have revelation of truth and have revelation of so many great and wonderful things about God. But help me to always realize that I have flesh to contend with. I have flesh to deal with, and it's this flesh is the only thing, because it's in an earthen vessel, it's the only thing that could keep me from being pleasing to God is if I let this flesh get separated from the master. If I don't keep this flesh under control through the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible says, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. They that are led of the Spirit, they are the what? The sons of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I thank God for the truth. And I realize that the way to keep to keep the truth is, is to stay close to him and stay committed to him, stay prayerful. When I don't understand everything, I still got to be obedient to him. When I don't know why it didn't happen as quick as I'd like for it to, I still got to stay obedient to him. I still got to follow him. I still got to be faithful to him. This is not a deal that I just do if it's, as long as it's working out for me. As long as it's going good, I'll be faithful to you, God. But the moment... The moment that it doesn't go good, I'm off the bandwagon. Fair weather. No, 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 no. 
No, just continue to be obedient to him. He'll, he'll bless you. I'm going I'm to tell you, if you don't see another blessing on this side of glory, when you get to heaven, it's going to be worth everything. I said it's going to be worth everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah.